Hey, it's Eric here. A note before we jump in. This episode contains talk about suicide, which I know can be distressing. If you need resources or support, please call 1-800-273-8255 or go to suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Happy Holidays, and welcome to Blockbuster Nights. I'm Eric. And I'm Megan. And you know, the world is like a fruitcake. It wouldn't be complete without a few nuts in it. (laughs) And with the holidays just around the corner, we're taking on an underrated Christmas classic today, Mixed Nuts from 1994, starring Steve Martin, Madeline Kahn, Rita Wilson, Anthony LaPaglia, Gary Shandling, Juliette Lewis, and Adam Sandler. A lot of names there. <laughs> it's a big cast. It is it's a, a lot big of cast. Nuts. It is. Yeah, and neither of us had seen this, right? Correct. Yeah. How did we find this? I don't even remember how we found it. I think we were searching for 80s and 90s Christmas movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were looking for a, Die Hard. for a movie that we had not seen. Because we've seen a lot And it of is them. a Christmas movie. Yes, it is a Christmas movie. Wait, Die Hard or Mixed Nuts? Both. Both. Okay, yeah. All right, let me read the back of the box here. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, the only creatures stirring were a transvestite, a homicidal Santa, a serial killer, the zany staff of a suicide hotline, and one very crazy pregnant woman. Christmas is only hours away, and Philip, Steve Martin, and his dedicated suicide hotline staff are about to go just a little bit crazy. Philip will be dumped by his fiancée, his hotline service will be evicted, he will tango with a lovely cross-dresser, and then tango with a gun-toting Santa. Yes, the holidays can be hectic, especially with this bunch of mixed nuts. Co-starring Madeline Kahn, Anthony LaPaglia, Juliette Lewis, and Rita Wilson. And on the front of the box, it says, A wacky romantic comedy about life, death, love, birth, and fruitcake. Yes. Yep. So The fruitcake always prevails. <laughs> uh, it's funny. So there's a big reveal in this movie, and it's spoiled on the back of the box. Mm-hmm. So don't look too closely, I guess. Okay, so you want to get right into it? Let's do it. Okay, so this story starts in a coastal California town. I think it's supposed to be Venice Beach. Yes, it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. On Christmas Eve, where ex-con Felix is seen running from his angry pregnant wife, the aforementioned uh, very crazy pregnant woman. In a Santa suit. Yes, he's in a Santa suit. The pregnant wife's name is Gracie. She chases him down the road. He accidentally runs into and damages a Christmas tree carried by two rollerbladers. Sir, you ruined our tree. The tree was absolutely symmetrical. It took us two hours to find it. Was it was perfect. Nothing's perfect, you cretin. Stop yelling. And do you know who those rollerbladers were? No. I didn't either until I saw this in the credits. It was Jon Stewart what? and Parker Posey. What? Were the rollerbladers. Wow, that's... <laughs> Strange. Right? Okay. Well, they're, they're kind of like a running joke through the, the yeah, movie. Yeah, they're kind of like the yuppies we, that were equivalent to the ones in, was it Christmas Vacation? Oh, yeah, National no, Lampoon. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't see their faces at all. Did you? When I went back and saw one of the clips with uh-huh. them, I heard Jon Stewart oh, okay. talking. You could tell it's him. But you, you I, didn't, really, I didn't see their faces. I don't no, think they show their faces. I didn't see their faces hmm. that long. So after he knocks over the rollerbladers, an argument breaks out among them. A stranger, Philip unsuccessfully attempts to calm them down they soon disperse philip is the head of a suicide prevention hotline called lifesavers 
Hello, this is Lifesavers. Merry Christmas. How may I help you? He returns to the office and receives an eviction notice from his landlord, Stanley, after being unable to pay the organization's rent for several months. And should we talk about Stanley's last name yet? Or do you want to save that? (laughs) No, let's go ahead and talk about it. Okay, it's Tannenbaum. Very festive. That is festive. That's... We'll have no meaning on the plot whatsoever later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I guess running a suicide hotline doesn't pay well if it's free to call. So maybe they need like government assistance or grants or something yeah. to, to help them make their rent payments. But I love Steve Martin in anything. And yeah. I just love that he's the head of this organization. Yeah. Lifesavers. You know, I... I like Steve Martin, too. It does seem to me, though, he's, he plays the same character in every role. Like, he's always <laughs> playing Steve Martin. You know, you know what you're going to get. And it, I think, because this movie came out, what, like a year before Father of the Bride? Mm-hmm. Or was it the same? It might have been the same year. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when that But this is out. the last movie, or the last time I, I recall seeing him without white hair. I didn't even think about that. I'm not sure why I thought he had white hair earlier, but I think this is probably the, the last... But I didn't check on that. I should check on that. Okay. So in addition to Stanley, the hotline is staffed by the selfish, neurotic, and rather fearful office manor, Mrs. Blanche Munchink. Munchnick. Munchnick. (laughs) Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn. Fabulous lady. Yeah. She made this movie worth watching. (laughs) And the overly emotional and empathetic supervisor, Catherine O'Shaughnessy. Rita Wilson. Rita Wilson, who at the very beginning I mistaked for Pam Dauber. Because we had just watched right. Stay Tuned with Pam Dog, and they look they look kind of alike, don't you think? Maybe a little. I don't know. I have that I, don't know. I have that face thing where I can't really tell faces apart sometimes, and it leads me to confuse people. So uh, I'm not surprised that happened to me here. Philip, who does not inform his coworkers of the eviction, attempts to convince his girlfriend Susan, who is the loan officer in a local bank, to grant him a small loan. She refuses the loan before telling him that he is, she has been secretly dating a psychiatrist for four <laughs> months and is breaking up with him. Christmas Eve. Yeah. And I like the fact that she told him that she'd re- prefer to do this over fax, but he didn't have a fax. So, <laughs> which brings up the whole post-it thing from Sex and the City and how people break up with you over weird ways. So I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. So today it would have been a text. <laughs> right. Or yeah, just been text. totally ghosted. Like you just never hear from them again. Yeah. That was kind of rough. <laughs> <laughs> despite Merry Christmas. despite Catherine's expectation that Christmas time would bring uh, multiple crises to solve, the staff has received few calls. There is one call from a woman who is frightened by a notorious Los Angeles serial killer dubbed the Seaside Strangler. And then another from Chris, who is a drag transvestite who feigns depression to convince Philip to disclose the Lifesaver's office address. And this was played, Chris was played by Lee Schreiber. This was his first feature film. Oh, okay. Wow, you could never tell. He did know, such a good job in this. he did a great job. He was one of my favorite characters in this. Yeah, he did a fantastic job. Meanwhile, an elevator malfunction leaves Mrs. Munchnick trapped on her way to a Christmas Eve dinner. She was attempting to leave the office and she gets <laughs> trapped into the, in the elevator, screaming. <laughs> the classic Madeline Kahn screw. Help! Which is, is great. Flames on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Not from this movie. But. No. Uh, eventually, she's heard Philip manages to pull her to the top of the elevator when Gracie arrives, which is the pregnant woman from earlier. Juliet Lewis. Juliet Lewis. Mm-hmm. And attempts to operate it. They are terrified that they will be crushed by the ceiling of the elevator shaft, but eventually they all manage to return to the office safely. I love the elevator scene. It was... <laughs> it was a great... The, long part of the movie it seemed like but it was they they extended that scene out did the end of it uh give you any mission impossible vibes like when the elevator crushes what's his face mighty ducks mighty ducks 
Know yeah, with the about. lead of Mighty Ducks. What's his name? Emilio Estevez? Emilio Estevez. Remember in Mission Impossible when he's in the elevator and they reprogram oh, the elevator yeah. and it's going up and he, he gets crushed by oh, the things? Oh, oh. That's how okay. his character. Maybe, no, I didn't think Well, because they were getting ready to get crushed <laughs> as it was rolling up. So that's what that's where my mind went. I just like how she had all these gifts with her because she was, I guess, going to take them to her family mm-hmm. on the way out. Mm-hmm. Where she got stuck, and then she started opening them, and then playing all the instruments, and she oh, went yeah. into a rap <laughs> to try to get out, and like, hello, help me! I'm, I'm not even gonna attempt that, but I'll put yeah. a little bit in here. I'm stuck in the elevator. Get me, please. Time to get me on Christmas Eve. Mister Monstrix, didn't have nothing. Hey, come to get me, you. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And also there's a call at some point from guest cameo star Stephen Wright, who is a depressed suicidal man. Oh, yeah, that was a little rough. Which was quite dark. <laughs> yeah, um, he was in a phone booth and he had a gun. Yeah. And you can kind of imagine what happened because they didn't there quite. There was a miscommunication and, and things the, went the bad. gun was dispatched. It's played to be funny. You know, maybe in the 90s it was. Yeah. Now it's kind of like, Ugh. Anyway. Mental health is serious. Mental health is serious. So this movie is kind of like, it's not your traditional happy Christmas movie, right? It's, it's a little darker. It's a little darker. It, it's non-apologetic about it. The holidays are kind of crappy for people, and this movie very and much it, highlights it's that. It's kind of the 90s LA Christmas experience. Right. <laughs> right. So this is not your like family movie where, I guess. where everybody's getting along. And, I mean, it's, not, it's a comedy, but still, it's, it's a very dark comedy in a ways, and it, it's a very dour comedy because at some point, someone tells Philip that nothing comes to him who waits, which I wrote down because I, I found that just kind of so... That was very profound in a way, but also very just like sad. Yeah. So yeah, either Catherine tells that to Philip or Philip tells it, I think maybe Philip tells it to Catherine because Philip's kind of in a bad place after he breaks up with his fiance. And he doesn't, <laughs> really, he doesn't really seem to enjoy his job very much, <laughs> which is funny, or at least it's played to be funny. And then he also says something like he, he feels like he's going to be in the 10 items or less lane for the rest of his life, <laughs> <laughs> which got me laughing. Yeah. And then there's also the pothole quote. Yes. Just remember that in every pothole, there was hope was his quote <laughs> and then he goes on to explain well you see pothole is spelled p-o-t-h-o-l-e so if you take the p and add it to the h the o and the e and rearrange the letters or contrawise you move remove the o t and the l you get hope so just remember in every pothole <laughs> there is hope yeah okay, okay. yeah okay <laughs> that, that did make me chuckle i'm never gonna look at a pothole the same way again right so felix arrives begging gracie to listen to him and then she hits him in the head with a fruitcake giving him a concussion and causing a large cut on his forehead <laughs> deadly yeah and you know it's no it's no joke those things are bricks tough you remember it was always the garfield joke in every garfield christmas thing there's always the fruitcake brick it's like <laughs> Like they could build houses out of it or they could cut through snow or something with it. I think Johnny Carson had a joke of like, it was, there's only one fruitcake in the world that just keeps <laughs> going around <laughs> different yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, I have never enjoyed a fruitcake that I've eaten. I haven't either. Especially the one we had when we went to England because that was... No, that was gross. That was not good at all. Anyway, all right. So Philip and Catherine take Felix to a veterinarian to be treated for his head wound, which turns out to be Rob Reiner. While the doctor is distracted discussing relationships and pillows with Philip, Felix Felix steals and quickly overdoses on dog tranquilizers. (laughs) 
was taken to the hospital. Yeah, the pillows thing was great. Where he's talking about how there's just too many pillows on the bed. and Yeah, what is the correct number of pillows? Two. The limit does not exist. <laughs> two. There's two pillows on the bed because any other pillows you have to take off and put back on. I mean, you, if you've already got to make a bed and put pillows on it, it's just that much more work. Okay, well, I'll say two to three well-appointed pillows with great texture for your pillow story will do you. Okay. And right. I can back that up because I graduated with interior design degree, so. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll cop. <laughs> it's I'll, legit info. I'll give one extra pillow, so with three pillows <laughs> we can do that. All right, meanwhile, back at the office, the doorbell rings. Gracie quickly throws the door open, accidentally striking Mrs. Munchnick and revealing Chris in the doorway. Leave Schreiber. Gracie leaves Chris to care for the unconscious Mrs. Munchnick. When Phillips returns, Chris is sitting on the sofa and convinces Philip to dance with him. When uh, Mrs. Munchnick awakens, she witnesses the dancing and threatens to sue <laughs> Philip for withholding information of the eviction and for the inappropriate office behavior uh, before leaving. This is a great scene. Yeah. Like, Leif Schreiber, again, is just amazing. It was a great scene. They yeah. can wear a dress and a wig very well. Yeah. Good job, yeah. Leif Schreiber. I thought the nice thing about this movie was they brought a real character to Chris without making her the butt of the joke, as I would have expected back in the 90s. Right. Much more so. Right. And Leif's it, portrayal of this character was, I thought... Yeah. I thought there was a good. lot of depth to, yeah. to Chris. Yeah, and for this to be Lee Schreiber's first film role, that's yeah. quite astounding. I mean, obviously he's a fantastic mm-hmm. actor. Agreed. So soon, Gracie, Catherine, and a downstairs neighbor named Louis Catshaw, which is Adam Sandler, all return to the office with Chinese food. And Adam Sandler is just being his like Adam Sandleriest here. Like this is like early nineties uh, Adam Sandler. Yeah, this is SNL day Sandler and. Yeah. <laughs> I was, one review I read from the New York Times, it was by Janet Maslin. <laughs> I just love her quote. She said, Mr. Sandler dresses as a gondolier, plays the ukulele, and sings stupid little nonsense songs <laughs> and an irritating falsetto. If you didn't know this is part of his established shtick on Saturday Night Live, you might think Mixed Nuts was simply crazy. <laughs> okay. Oh, so many things for me to wonder. I liked it. I thought it was funny. Yeah, I mean, grape jelly. It is. I mean, it's that's his thing. That's (laughs) That's what he does. He's that's part of his charm, I guess. That's what he used to do. I mean, I was cracking up at it. Yeah, I thought it was funny. It was funny. Okay, so meanwhile, Blanche encounters the fruitcake again as it is landed and and crashed and nuttier than ever through her windshield as she's trying to get her car fixed by the car club. You remember car clubs? Like when they would come and fix your car. Yeah. They come and change your tires mm-hmm. if you got a flat tire somewhere. Triple A? Yeah, they don't have those anymore. <laughs> they have Triple A. Well, they have Triple A, but they don't have people that, I mean, you I mean guess. You mean a Rotary Club? Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like Rotary <laughs> from Club. From Groundhog Day. The yeah. nice man from the Rotary. Yeah, exactly. Like they don't have that. It's, all, it's always going to be a tow truck. They're going to tow you to, to some garage and then your car will get fixed like maybe the next day yeah. or the day after. Like I don't have Rotary Clubs anymore. But anyway, Philip had thrown the fruitcake out of the window in a fit. So Mrs. Munchnick is distraught, sitting on her bumper, looking at her destroyed car as their fellow neighbor, Mr. Lobel, walks up with his three dogs. And we should mention that these are three dogs that she has not liked previously. And yeah, she's not a dog person. Not a dog person. Lobel comforts her and Munchnick realizes is that she has loved Lobel for a long time. Together they flee to the beach and have sex in the lifeguard's office, apparently. <laughs> anyway. Uh, sex on the beach, not just a drink. Nope. 
An hour later, Felix arrives at the office brandishing a gun, having escaped from the hospital. Chris gets shot in the foot after attempting to disarm him. Gracie takes the gun and shoots wildly around the office, attempting to empty it of ammunition. Two shots go through the front door, killing Stanley, the landlord, who had been called by Catherine to fix the elevator earlier. He was standing behind the door with a bag of his possessions. The sight of the dead Stanley puts Catherine into shock. Philip prepares her a bath to calm her down and confesses his love to her, who reciprocates. Okay, well, it may sound weird her him preparing her a bath, but that's what she did to calm herself. Like, she'd go into the bathtub. Oh, right, closed, yes. Like, empty tub and just kind of chill out. Right. That was, like, her safe space. Right, right. So. <laughs> He's not just randomly preparing her a bath. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should have mentioned that earlier. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Chris takes a one-sided interest in Louie and attempts to flirt with him. Louie reprises his earlier appearance and sings his impromptu <laughs> songs on his prized ukulele. <laughs> Great. It uh, works again on so many levels. Gracie and Felix disguise Stanley's body as a Christmas tree with burlap and super glue. Tannenbaum. Get it? <laughs> yeah. And the decision is made to take it and the bag down to the boardwalk and leave it there for someone to pick up so they don't have to deal with the dead body. As they carry Stanley's body down to the street, they encounter a now the now vengeful ro- rollerbladers. <laughs> who have had their Christmas tree destroyed <laughs> twice by Felix, who barrel through them in order to try to destroy their tree. And it, of course, reveals that it's a body <laughs> and not a tree. <laughs> when the police arrive, Philip falsely confesses to the killing, but Gracie pulls out the gun as proof of her guilt. Felix grabs it and runs to the roof of a nearby building where he threatens to commit suicide. And here's where Philip's, I guess, suicide prevention hotline Skills come in. Lifesaver at work. Yes. Oh, well, first of all, we get a little cameo by Haley Joel Osment. Oh, yeah. Who screams, look, Mommy, it's Santa. (laughs) And he's climbing up the roof. I was like, Haley Joel Osment. There he goes. (laughs) So while Felix is on the roof, I think Philip is the one. He says the holidays are like a magnifying glass. And what is sad gets so much sadder. Those who are alone seem so much more alone. Christmas is a time when you look at your life through a magnifying glass. Whatever you don't have feels overwhelming. Being alone is so much lonelier at Christmas. Everything sad is so much sadder at Christmas. You can't give in to this, Felix. I thought that was some real insight that I hadn't really heard before, so I thought that was really nice. Yeah. And he manages to convince Felix to come back down. Catherine hands Stanley's bag to the detectives who search it. They find fishing line and kelp, the weapons of choice for the seaside strangler, revealing that Stanley has been the seaside strangler. This is this is what's spoiled on the back of the box, by the way. So if you look at the back of the box, it says a serial killer is one of the people, and it's a picture of Gary Shanley. Well, this is the Australian version but still, of the VHS box. I mean, still, that's, you know, spoilers. For killing the criminal, uh, Gracie receives the reward of $250,000. She uses this money to satisfy Lifesaver's debts and prevent their eviction, and then promptly goes into labor. And then Rob Reiner shows back up and helps with the baby. (laughs) She gives birth at midnight on Christmas Day in a scene that parodies the nativity of Jesus. (laughs) And then Philip asks Catherine to marry him on the same day, and she obliges. At the end credits, Felix, who quit his job to paint murals, was finally commissioned, and his career takes off from there. His first commission has him painting everything he told Gracie he would paint once he had a wall, which is a nice kind of wrap-up of the whole cast uh, together. So it does have like the classic happy ending. And we should have mentioned this is a, a Nora Ephron movie. This is this came out, what, one year after Sleepless in Seattle? Yes. So it, it's kind of a surprise that it was a bomb. I thought it was very underrated yeah. for what it was as a Christmas movie. Yeah. 
I think so too. I think it's just because it's probably not what people are expecting out of a Christmas movie. And it just doesn't have that like happy, warm family around the roasting fire feeling. Well, the soundtrack was amazing. It had a lot of the classic Christmas songs. Like mm-hmm. it started out with White Christmas from the Drifters mm-hmm. from home. Like they played that in Home Alone. Uh-huh. And it's pretty good. The soundtrack's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very classic. Santa Baby, Eartha Kitt, mm-hmm. I'll Be Home for Christmas, Fats Domino. Mm-hmm. Blue Christmas, Leon Redbone, What Are You Doing New Year's Eve, The OJs, Silent Night, Baby Washington. I mean, it's got a lot of good talent in there. Good songs. Yeah, Yeah, it really does. And I didn't think any of the characters were too contrived. I thought it was a well-balanced ensemble cast. The box kind of paints Steve Martin as the lead, but he's really not the lead. It's really an ensemble movie. I think they all kind of pulled their weight yeah. pretty evenly. Yeah, they really did. You know, All the nuts. All the nuts. Were <laughs> distributed evenly. I was reading all of these reviews about it. And another one by Paul Schrote on Esquire. He said, to paraphrase the film's final message, Christmas is three horrible things and then something wonderful. There's always hope. Yeah. Always potholes. <laughs> In a pothole. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, this, this movie had quite a lot of um, little gold nuggets sprinkled throughout it's a good story yeah and especially with philip's message when he was talking to felix on the roof yeah i just thought that was really powerful yeah and i'd never heard christmas summed up that way yeah. just as being magnifying yeah, all because... the things and making things so much harder and just in your face yeah. than they are absolutely yeah. i'm feeling that i'm feeling it too we are feeling it this year <laughs> and we lost our dog in april yeah and it's Socks. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So every other Christmas movie I've ever seen portrays Christmas as like a super happy time where you're always with family and everybody's getting along and everybody's happy and that's what you're expected to do. And this movie really kind of turns the other direction. It's like, no, it's not happy for everybody. Yeah. A lot of people are depressed at this time of year. Right. And it's okay. It is okay. And you don't have to be, you know, with the perfect nuclear family and, right. you know, staying at your mom's house and everybody's eating the fruit cake, fruit cake <laughs> and the... Everybody's opening presents Christmas morning. And it's just not, it's not real life. I think this movie really highlights that a lot better. And I actually love it for that. Mm-hmm. Instead of just that same old sappy, happy. Yeah, you know, you know what it is. <laughs> that certain channel. You know what it is out there. <laughs> I just, I think this movie get, should get a lot more credit. It only made $6.8 million on a $20 million budget, which yeah, is sad. I would definitely put this in my Christmas collection of yeah every year to watch i just thought it was really cute and fun Mm -hmm. to watch and and i don't think it's hilarious i thought it was a great cast together all of them absolutely there wasn't one person that i disliked yeah me either but i don't think it's really you know how like a lot of movies have had that cult following come back after a couple years i don't Mm -hmm. feel like this movie really has i don't i feel like it's been lost yeah from what i've seen i don't think it has either yeah which is too bad Something I did notice, though, was they released it on December 21st in 1994, mm-hmm. four days before Christmas. <laughs> so that gives you really four days of people being in the real spirit to go see this before right. it drops off. That's true. Like now they'll release a Christmas movie, what, a couple of weeks before at least or a, or a month before. <laughs> yeah, <August. laughs> but usually the Christmas movies come out in like late November. Right. So they have like a full month to get those box office receipts in. So it could have just been a bad release time too that hurt this one. But yeah. So you're obviously, what do you take? You, you, you're going to keep this one or return it? I'm definitely keeping this one. Yeah. I mean, it was a feel-good Christmas movie, but I mean, with 
you know, substantive quality issues mm-hmm. other than brewing in there, baked into the fruitcake. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Instead absolutely. Instead of just, you know, the sweet, disgusting icing all the time. That's a very good way to put it. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. This is a keeper for me too. I think I want to add this into our yearly watch rotation and switch out something else. Yeah, right. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> We're going to re-examine our Christmas <laughs> right. movies. Yeah, this was, um, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed this one. And you should definitely go watch this if you can, if you uh, have access to Peacock. I think it, you can stream it for free. Uh, and I think you can rent or buy it too on other platforms. Yeah, I think it was, was it available on Amazon Prime? I, I think it was, to, but you had to yeah, buy you had it to or buy rent it. it. Or rent it, yeah. Good job, good movie. Anything else that you want to add? Just that this is a hard time of year for a lot of people. And if you're thinking about suicide or are worried about a friend or loved one or would like emotional support, the Lifeline Network is available 24-7 across the United States. And that number is 1-800-273-8255. And your call is free and confidential. So I hope people will reach out if they need that. Yep. Very important. Never know. It's always and good don't to... give fruitcakes. Yeah, don't don't give don't give out fruit. Don't don't be that person. Don't be the person who gives out fruitcakes. Or if you do, just soak them in bourbon unless, or something first. Unless you really don't like somebody, then I guess you can give them fruitcakes. I guess that's how you know. If you get a fruitcake from somebody, then you know that person probably... I'm actually surprised they still sell so many of them in the stores, but... You know, I think it's that thing. So you know how the other day we were talking about like the five top Christmas, Christmas songs? songs? That aren't really the top five. And like, they're the same five Christmas songs they play, play constantly every year because, you know, if it's up to the people, people don't have a choice. It's, it's by the radio DJs. <laughs> the Christmas songs I listen to, they don't play on the radio, <laughs> right? Because first of all, they have cuss words in them. And second... <laughs> What are you listening to? Ying Yang Twins. <laughs> no. Hey, if you no. if you haven't heard Mixed the nuts over here, if you haven't heard the, the Ying Yang Twins, if you haven't heard the Ying Yang Twin Christmas album, <laughs> do yourself a favor. It is pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it's that. It's it's that. It's <laughs> it's that that idea. Like, okay, well, everybody has been giving fruitcakes forever, so we'll just keep giving fruitcakes forever. Right. Like, it's popular because it's popular, right? People want fruitcake. Yeah, like, no one really wants the stupid things. They're just given. It's a national cake. You know, when we go walk in the grocery store and they got a stack of fruitcakes? I know. And they have all the canned fruit to put in it. <laughs> like, no. Just no. Mm-mm. No. I'll take gingerbread cookies, mm-hmm. Christmas cookies, mm-hmm. Anything. Anything except a fruitcake. <laughs> I will literally take anything else. Anything. Crepe jelly. Why, why eat fruitcake <laughs> when there's so many other good things out there? Ugh, unless you just want to punish yourself. All right, that's enough about fruitcakes. Happy holidays, everybody. Yes, enjoy your non-fruitcake <laughs> Wherever your mixed foods. nuts are and who you're spending them with. Yes. We hope you have a good one. We do, and we will see you next time. See you next year. Yeah. All right, well, be kind to rewind, everybody. Rewind.